have bestowed your love upon us. You sent Jesus to die for us. Jesus, we thank you for that death that you died. Pouring out your life, your precious blood, that we might be redeemed unto God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy upon us. We thank you that because of the blood that you shed, there is nothing that is impossible. So we put our faith in you. There's truly nothing that you cannot do. We thank you, Lord, for wisdom and revelation, that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of every heart would be flooded with light, with revelation, with understanding, that we might know and have an expectation of the calling that you've placed upon our life, that you've brought us out of darkness. You've called us out of that place of sin and death and darkness. You've called us out of that place of guilt and shame, and you brought us into the kingdom of your dear Son. Oh, where there's light and there's life and there's love and there's acceptance in the Beloved, we thank you, Lord that you've called us to a high calling, a high place, to rise up above those circumstances of life, not in our own works, but by the mighty power of a living God. We thank you for that life that is bestowed upon us and lives within us, the power of the Spirit of the living God. We thank you for reviving your church in this day, in this hour. We thank you, Father, that there's a raising up, that truly you will do what you said you would do. You'll promise, perform that which you promised. We thank you that we live in a time and a generation where there are turning points, where there are moments in time that there will be distinct change take place. We thank you for the light of the glorious gospel. We thank you, Lord, for faith arising in hearts like never before. That as the enemy attacks, faith will not fail the believer, but will rise up and recognize. As we put our faith and our trust in you, there is nothing that you cannot do. That all things are possible to those that believe. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in this place, ministering to every heart and every life. We thank you that your presence is here, not only amongst us, but we thank you that you live in us to lead us, to guide us, to teach us. We thank you for the anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage of any kind, of any sort that the enemy has endeavored to place upon anyone that the anointing destroys every yoke. The captive might go free. The brokenhearted might be bound up. But those who have been blinded, their minds have been blinded, I thank you there's an opening up and an ability to see what the Spirit of God is doing. I thank you, Lord, that as the word goes forth, there's utterance. You give us ears to hear what you're saying, for the entrance of your word brings light that dispels the darkness. We thank you for that anointing, that healing power. Even right now in your presence, healing begins to work supernaturally, begins to work. Thank you, Lord. That anointing begins to start and begins to flow throughout the bloodstream. By the power of God, begins to carry life. Life through the bloodstream. Life through the bloodstream. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, bringing healing and life. Life. Thank you, Lord. Life. Thank you, Lord. Flowing. 
blood pumping. We thank you, Lord, for healing that heart right now in the name of Jesus. Open flow, an open flow, an open flow, supernaturally, supernaturally able to pump and to flow like never before. Thank you, Lord. Brand new heart, brand new heart. Flowing, cleaning out arteries. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That which the enemy said was impossible. It's changed now by the miracle working power of God. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Father, we give you the glory and the honor, the praise and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. It's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be living. Amen. We want to welcome you. We want to welcome everybody who's joining us by live stream. Welcome. We want to welcome our Meeker campus. We're glad that you're with us this morning. Praise the Lord. Why don't you look at somebody next to you say, Greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. Say it one more time. Greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. And you can be seated. Once again it's good to be with you all this morning. And uh, man God is doing great things all over uh, the earth. Hallelujah. Uh, There are turning point moments taking place. Things that God has said uh, he is doing. Amen. All over uh, the place. And God uh, it's, a, it's just a great time uh, to be alive. Amen. I want to just remind you of a couple things. You know, when we were singing that song, I'm just going to go this direction, then we'll come back to some announcements. You know, uh, some years ago, you know, there, there's nothing that our God can't do. Jesus said nothing is impossible to him that believes, but there's a mindset sometimes that takes place and settles in with us, and this is a natural example, but you know, a number of years ago, the Ritz-Carlton got together with all of its employees, you know, and you can get to this place. We've traveled overseas at different times, and depending on the culture and where people are, you know, you can do things, even, you know, realize it at different times, you know, uh, you could go to, you know, we used to go to Village Inn, and you just say, you know, to the waiter or waitress, you know, could you, uh, you know, put a little bit on the side over there? And they say, well, no, we can't do that. And then you look at them and say, well, sure you can. You just go ahead and move that over and do that. And they kind of look at you and then they say, well, okay, okay, I guess we can. But you can get a mindset of we can't do that. And so Ritz-Carlton, they got together with all their employees and they said, your first response to anything is we can do that. So we don't want you saying we can't do that. We want your first response to be, we can do that. And so a number of years ago, that took hold, and they, 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 we can do that, and they started doing things. And so Ritz-Carlston's, you know, they've been very uh, uh, um, prosperous and do well. They're one of the, the best hotel chains. And so, you know, I was reading later on, a number of years later, well, they just went beyond that. If we were going to say we can do that, they started giving all their employees a certain amount of money. And so when they're with a, 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 a you know, in there with a customer or something, they see a need, they can actually go and do something to meet that need. Like we can do that. And when I was reading, there was an instance where a maid was in there, and she was just uh, uh, cleaning while the family was there. And a little girl, she just, uh, you know, was telling her mom and dad, I really want this new doll. I really want this. They were just talking as a family. And that uh, um, maid that was in that room realized, you know what? They've given me money. I can do that. 
And she went down and she bought that doll. When that family came back from wherever they were, that doll was like right there on the bed for that daughter, that, that girl that she heard needed that. Well, there's a place when you get to say, we can do that. That then God starts to provide for you to be able to do that. Thank you for your enthusiasm. He said, nothing is impossible to him that believes. But even so often as Christians, we're like, no, I don't know if that's possible. We can sing everything's possible. But when something happens, do we respond? We can do that. That's possible. With men, it's not possible. But with God, all things are possible. To get down into our heart, the first response is, that's possible. Oh, my gosh, with that report, you know what? That's possible. Healing's possible. Restoration is possible. All things are possible to him that believes. Takes that saying, as Alan was saying, you know, when we went into the year, to say, who will say, restore? Well, I don't know if it'll be restored. Well, it won't if you say, I don't know. I don't know if this is, can, can happen. But when we start declaring restoration, we start declaring the blessing of God. We start putting faith in that, right? We can sing, there's nothing our God can't do. But we, do we believe that when we look at a circumstance, do we believe that there's nothing that our God can't do? That he's the almighty God, the creator of everything. There's nothing that he can't do. We're not facing that. And so often our God is about this big. God, if you could just do anything. But when our God is the almighty God, everything else in the presence of the almighty God looks about this big. And when things look this big and God looks this big, then there's hope that arises and expectation that arises in our heart that you are a big, big God. And my circumstances, instead of being overwhelming to me, it's not overwhelming to you. And you are my God. You're my Father God, I'm your son, I'm your daughter, and there's nothing that you won't do for me because you've accepted me in the beloved. And if you gave Jesus Christ to die for me, how would you not with him freely give me everything that I have need of? But it's not like a magic wand. It's something that he did in Christ that we embrace in our hearts and in our thinking to know that we serve a living God. And we put our dependence and our faith and our trust in him. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so as we sing that song, I don't, I don't want you to just go, that was a nice song. But to begin to, to let that register, there's really nothing my God can't do. There's nothing my God can't do. And so on Monday, continue to say, there's nothing that my God can't do. With God, we can do that. On Tuesday, there's still nothing your God can't do. Right? Doesn't just let, don't just let it stir why we're singing that song. There's, there's wonder-working power. There's things going on. There's a revival going on. There's healing going on, right, when we sing the song. But to begin to see and to approach situations and say, wait a minute, he's ready to heal things right now. There's a revival going on right now. There's nothing that my God can't do. Amen? There's nothing that my God can't do. I said there's nothing that my God can't do. Come on, there's nothing that your God can't do. He's already accomplished in Christ Jesus more than we know. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
Well, I want to remind you just of a couple of things. Next week, you don't want to miss next week, Sunday, all day, and Monday, uh, Jim Hockaday will be with us, and uh, they're going to be miracle and healing services. And so uh, bring those who are sick, and uh, just bring anyone, because there's miracles. Everybody could use a, a miracle, a change. Uh, people need to be born again. The gospel will go forth, and so you want to uh, uh, bring people to that. And then we have some other things coming up, but I want to announce to you, you can put on your calendar, uh, uh, the week, I don't know what the beginning of the week is, I guess I can get it right if I do the math, uh, the week of May 14th starts Sunday, uh, we'll have regular Sunday morning service, but on Wednesday night, May the 18th, uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis will be with us, Wednesday's the 17th, oh, okay, sorry, sorry, Wednesday the 17th, uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis is going to be with us, and then Sunday the 21st, Joe Morris is going to be with us, and so that's going to be an awesome week. And uh, so mark your calendars for that, uh, because uh, I believe God's going to do some amazing things in our midst at that time. And so, uh, praise the Lord. We just keep looking forward to turning points in God. Turning points in God. I want to encourage you, we're praying uh, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning. You know, uh, and somebody asked me the other day, you know, what do you think about these revivals that are going on? I said, man, I think great things about these revivals that are going on. Things that they report are things that we've been praying. And if things that we've been praying we're seeing going on, we're not just going to see them going on. We're going to experience them in our midst. And so we're praying into and praying through some things Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, Monday night uh, after prayer school at 8 o'clock. Uh, uh, there's corporate prayer going on. And so one of the key things to, uh, uh, I'm sure it's beyond that, but to uh, 2023 and 2024 is continuing to pray into things, increasing that prayer life, and in your prayer life, committing everything to Him. Committing everything to Him. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I don't know if I don't sound right or if I look funny or what this morning, but y'all are looking at me, as Brother Hagen would say, like a calf at a new gate. Um, <laughs> We can shake some things loose here. But uh, 2023, 2024, praying, committing all of our ways to him, delighting ourselves in the Lord. Putting our delight in the Lord. And he'll begin to give you desires, put desires, put brand new desires in your heart that he has planned for you. And uh, give you the desires of your heart as we commit our ways to him. He will direct your path. Doesn't matter what it is, all your ways, the ways that you think, the ways that you talk, your your marriage ways, your family ways, your job ways, your your serving God, ministry ways, the gifts in you ways. You know, we get and think, all right, I got that. God spoke to me and now I'm out and about it. But uh, there's always that time where we say, you know what, what do you want to do? See, when we're just out and about it, James even says this. He says, you get up, you wake up, and you say, you know what? The economy's good. Things are going great. I'm going to move over here uh, this year and make a little bit of money, and then I'm going to go over here and make a little bit of money. And he said, you're just speaking in your arrogance. You should say, if the Lord wills, we'll go here and do thus and such. If the Lord wills, we'll go here and do thus and such, because life's just but a vapor. What God wants to do in the moments of time that we live in for eternity are important, not just what we can figure out, what we can plan on, but what does God have planned for us. And so I believe it's as important as ever. Uh, you don't have to believe with me, but it would be nice if we all got together that the Bible says that we commit all of our ways to Him. 
We acknowledge him in all of our ways so he can direct our paths. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Let's get into the message. We, we began last week talking about the power of the blood of Jesus, the power that's in the blood of Jesus. It's such a, an amazing thing, the blood of Jesus. Amen? Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this, and they overcame him. Overcame whom? Overcame the accuser of the brethren, the one that, that accuses day and night of all of your failures, of all of your missteps, of all of the sin that you've committed, of all the bondages that exist, of all of the things that are going on. He's constantly day and night bringing accusation, right, about you and about that. It may exist with you. It may exist before the throne of God. But it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Somebody say the blood of the lamb. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So the blood of the lamb will give you a testimony. Come on. Resting in the blood of the lamb will give you a testimony of Jesus Christ. And it's so important that testimony of Jesus Christ, that testimony of what God has done is the spirit of prophecy. You know, we're all looking for a prophetic word. You know, in the days that we live in. Well, your testimony is a prophetic word. Your testimony of what God has done for you is something that says he'll do it again. And if he did it for me and you need it in your life, he'll do it for you. It speaks of something future that God is doing, not only doing in the earth, but what he'll do for any person. And how will he do it? He'll do it by the shedding of his blood and the belief in his blood. Not without blood, but by the blood of Jesus. Everything has been purchased that we have need of that pertains to life and godliness. And so as we said last week, you know, the world will look around and the world has these seasons where things get really rough and they get bad. And we try to figure out all kinds of social and mental and emotional kinds of things to resolve it. But there is only one thing that will take care of the sin problem. Only one thing, and it's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. Come on, it's the blood of Jesus. Come on, there's only one thing that makes it right that is between you and God, and it's not sin that's between you and God right now. The blood of Jesus for a believer is between you and God. We have access to the throne of grace, and between us and Him is that mercy seat. It's that prime place in eternity where the mercy of God triumphs over judgment. And all the guilt and all the condemnation and all the things that come upon your life that you may think, well, it's somebody else judging me. It's somebody else making me feel bad. No, sin came to make you feel bad. Romans 5 says, sin with itself brings condemnation. You don't need somebody else to make you feel bad. The devil will just do that for you, right? He'll try to make you remember things you've done, things you're doing, bring condemnation. But thank God. The veil's been rent from top to bottom. We can stand right there before the mercy seat of God knowing that the blood has been sprinkled on our behalf. And that mercy that God shed, uh, brought to us through the shed blood of Jesus triumphs over any judgment that we might deserve. So we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 says, Now with the blood of, of goats and calves, not with the blood of goats and calves, excuse me, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Somebody say eternal redemption. 
Come on, there's something about that eternal redemption. That word eternal that we read last week and we defined last week, that word eternal means something that is always fresh and always new. It's not something like we think of it, where's the beginning and where's the end? When we live in time, there's always that place of increase and decrease, becoming and decaying. But in eternal life, that's not so. It's not so. We don't have time to read all that again, but you should go back and listen to that that message and begin to understand that we live in a place of eternal life. And in that eternal life, everything is fresh and new. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever because he lives in eternity. It's never changing. His mercies are new every morning, not because he stirs up a new batch of mercy. No, his mercy is exactly the same today as it was yesterday. And it'll be exactly the same tomorrow when you wake up. It'll be the same mercy. It'll be the same mercy because of the blood of Jesus. And it's in eternal life. And so he's purchasing eternal redemption. And so when the enemy can always bring a believer back into time, we're always wondering, when's the shoe going to drop? When is this going to end? When is this going to decay? When is this going to increase or decrease? But when we step over and begin to see what Jesus did in the eternal realm, we begin to see the sameness of God, what God had planned for us from the very beginning of creation. And what he wrought in Christ Jesus, it's exactly the same. And we put ourselves in Christ Jesus, and things look the same. Excuse me. Praise the Lord. Eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh... How much more? Somebody say, how much more? more. Come on, these writers, they love that, how much more? How much more? We start to think, how much more? We're just trying to get back to relief or zero. God doesn't want you back to relief or zero. He wants you to how much more? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Praise God, the eternal inheritance. Verse Romans chapter 3, verse 24 and 25, it says, Yet through, this is the Passion Translation, yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely... Uh, gives away his righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us. All because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. Come on, he's liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. Jesus, God-given destiny, was to be the sacrifice to take away the sins. And now he is our mercy seat because of his death on the cross. We come to him for mercy. For God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. By faith in the blood. This is the perfect demonstration of God's justice. Because until now, he had been so patient, holding back his justice out of his tolerance for us. So he covered over the sins of those who lived prior 
to Jesus' sacrifice. He said, by faith in the blood. So F.F. F. Bosworth said this in his book, Christ the Healer. He said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. He said subsequently, he said, the power of God can only be claimed where the will of God is known. And so we've heard much about the blood, but right here he says it takes that faith in the blood, believing in the power of the blood. What did the blood do for us? And so often we've gotten to the place where we start to uh, manufacture or do things simply by the Spirit of God, but the Spirit and the blood agree. The Spirit and the blood agree. And so the life poured out, right? All the, the life of all flesh is in the blood. And James said the spirit, the, the body without the spirit is dead. And so the life, the spirit of God is in the blood. The life of Jesus was in the blood. The spirit of God was in the blood. The blood was shed and wherever the blood was shed, the eternal spirit of God is bringing life through the blood and the spirit that's in the blood. And so faith in the blood begins to work things that otherwise we wouldn't know. And to simply say that the blood of Jesus was shed for me, and that, that's good, thing, these things should happen. But to begin to know and to realize what the will of God was for each one of us in the shedding of Jesus' blood. There's wonder-working power in the blood. It's not just a song. There's power in the blood. Not to move beyond the power of the blood. The, the, the spirit and the blood, they always agree. Because it's on the basis of the blood. Billy Brim says the blood is the legal tender in heaven. Everything was purchased by the blood. Every single drop of blood. There was a day, you know, when I was just confessing uh, the word of God in, in my daily confession in our old building uh, over there uh, behind the mall. And I was just walking and, and praying and, and confessing the word that by Jesus' stripes I was healed. By his stripes. 1 Peter 2.24, he took my sin in his own body on the tree. goes on to say, by his stripes I'm healed. Uh, Isaiah 53. But, you know, you know, sometimes when I'm just praying and stuff, I like to ask God questions. So that many years ago, you know, I had confessed that for years. Just when I heard about the healing power of God, that scripture, I liked it. So I'd just say, by his stripes, I'm healed. By his stri I'd just confess it. By his stripes, I'm healed. But that particular day, I just had this feeling to ask him, why by his stripes was I healed? Because I knew he hung on the cross. He hung on, so why did you make a specific note that by his stripes I was healed instead of just the whole idea of his death, burial, and resurrection? Why doesn't that just cover it? Why did you make a point of that? Well, this is what just came up out of my spirit, that Jesus was never going to be sick. He was without sin. He was perfect. He was never going to be sick. But yet he had to be our substitute, so he bore in his body everything that sickness and disease does to a human body. When he laid over that whipping post and took the beating of the cat of nine tails and was reduced to really uh, unrec being unrecognizable, somebody, uh, one translation says, he wasn't even, didn't even look like human form. He was so beaten that Jesus bore all that in his body. To pay the price for our sickness and disease. So that if he bore it, we don't have to. And in laying over that and in recognizing that, I was just so moved in that prayer time that I, I heard this come out of my mouth. Oh my God, I don't want one drop of blood that was shed on my behalf 
to have been in vain. Vain means useless. Not one drop of blood. Not one drop of blood. You know, so from that time began to teach redemption. Not even knowing, not even had, having read a book about it. Just what drop of blood began to look. When Jesus was beaten about his face, when he, when he was punched while he was being accused uh, in a trial, being punched about his face and his beard being pulled out, that blood was being shed. Why was that blood being shed for our mental well-being? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The enemy's the author of confusion to distort and to darken people's mind. But there was blood paid the price. He bore that in his own body that we might uh, uh, receive health and healing even in our mind. Come on, the crown of thorns was pressed upon his head. Those thorns so long that they began from his scalp the blood to be shed. He was hung on the cross Nailed in his hands and his feet. Said, cursed is everybody who hangs upon a tree. He died there to pay the penalty for our sin. It says that they pierced him in his side and the blood and the water flowed. He poured out his natural life. He poured out his spiritual life and became spiritually dead that we might become spiritually alive. Every drop of blood that Jesus shed. Beginning to study and read, you know the priest had to sprinkle the blood seven times. And Jesus sprinkled his blood seven times times every drop of blood not one drop of blood that Jesus shed wasn't precious blood spotless blood sinless blood the price was paid to totally and absolutely once and for all redeem us unto God to have faith in the blood when the enemy attacks an area of your life and to know and say, listen, the blood has already been sprinkled. The blood paid for that. If Jesus bore it in his body, if Jesus shed blood for it, the price has already been paid. I don't have to pay the price. I don't have to suffer through. Jesus did that I might be redeemed. Redeemed unto God. And so we can know that but putting faith in the blood. And faith begins when we begin to know that. And so as we go through this series of messages, I want the ears to be open to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Because when He says it and it lodges in your heart and light comes, faith arises. And when faith arises, there is power that's available to be claimed by the faith that you have in the blood of Jesus. And that blood will turn things around. It changes everything. Faith in the blood changes everything about what we're dealing with. And time comes and the enemy will come and he will bombard your mind and say, why isn't it changing? And there's a place where we begin to learn to apply the blood and, and the, the word of God concerning the blood that begins to create a transformation of our life. Turn over to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation the fifth chapter, starting in the eighth verse. It says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a, a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Praise the Lord. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you've made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. 
we shall reign on the earth. Some people say, well, that's revelation, that's all future. But you can connect that with what he said in Romans chapter 5, that if we'll receive the gift of righteousness, the abundance of grace, we shall reign through Jesus Christ. He's ordained and purchased our life so that we no longer are slaves of sin and under the dominion of sin, the sin of Adam under the consequence of our own sin. He's paid the price so we are set free so that sin no longer enslaves us or has dominion or reigns over us, but we begin to reign with him in life over all those situations. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, In Him, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of His grace. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 through 14 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. The recognition and the realization of the redemption that we have through Jesus Christ. He redeemed our life from destruction. There is a revelation to come by the Spirit of God of redemption, that your life has been totally purchased by the blood. And when he purchased you by the blood of Jesus, he bought you out of the slavery of sin. Sin no longer can be your master. I don't care what kind of sin, where it came from, where you've done. You can go, well, yeah, but we're just in this body. We're going to sin. With that attitude, you are going to sin. But when you begin to say, no, I understand the blood of Jesus was shed for a divine, eternal purpose. Not in the weakness of my flesh. He saw the weakness of my flesh. He knew it. The law revealed the weakness of our flesh. That's what the whole Old Testament was about. And Jesus said, I know the weakness of your flesh. So I'm coming in a human body. And in the weakness of that flesh, I'm going to bear that sin. And in the flesh, I'm going to condemn sin that embraced and enslaved flesh. And when I die in the flesh, I will condemn sin once and for all and break the power of it over human flesh that will believe in me. And this excuse that we have that we're just flesh, we're going to sin, is a strategy of the enemy to keep you bound. But the blood has set you free. It's not religion. The blood has set you free. It was shed. He raised from the dead. The veil was rent from top to bottom. He ascended. And on the real mercy seat, there is blood right now. Spotless blood, Jesus' blood in the eternal spirit. That blood has never lost its power. It's just as pure and as clean as it was the day he sprinkled it there. And that's the life of his blood. Human life poured out for us. He said, don't let the devil lie to you and just say you're going to continue in that stuff and you can't help it. You take and put the blood in his face. The blood has redeemed me. You haven't done anything for me. Who are you to accuse me? You didn't die for me. Who are you to condemn me? You paid no blood for me. Shut up. I'm looking at Jesus. Come on. We listen too much to that accuser of the brethren, but we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I believe God. I believe in the blood. 
Come on, he's just tormented people with what they're going to continue to do. But Jesus broke that. Once and for all, he redeemed us, the price necessary to pay. The word redemption means to ransom back. Come on, he paid the price necessary. Not sort of. I'll make a deal with you, devil. I'll buy their part of life after they die. And you can have the part while they're alive. He did not cut that kind of deal. He said, I paid the blood. I poured out my life. At the moment one receives that price, it sets in eternal life. They're washed of their sin. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. He said, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without Spot or blemish, or without blemish or spot. So listen, you weren't redeemed by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus. So then, redemption is a value judgment. Redemption is a value judgment. How much do you value the blood of Jesus? The enemy has come to devalue your life. No matter what it is, he's come to devalue your life. You're not worth anything. He's brought somebody to say you're not valued. You're not worth something. And even when people come and say you are, the enemy's trying to say, no, look it. You made these mistakes. You did this. But Jesus said, if you will understand. See, when we get devalued in this world, you know, just think about it. Think about looking around. I mean, some people, you know, a few people don't have this, this issue. So, But predominantly people have this issue. And the reason they have it is when can I buy the next thing? When can I keep up with the Joneses? What's the, what's the new thing that we can buy? Because we put value in things that silver and gold can buy. And if I have all those, somehow they bring a value to my life. But see, when we understand they don't really bring the proper value to our life, that we weren't purchased by silver or gold or anything that money could buy. It was something much more valuable and to understand that I mean if you go and buy something of value you drive something with value and it gives you some level of value look at look at where I'm at just think what the blood of Jesus would do for you to understand the value of that and to not devalue your life because of the blood everything in life is worth what somebody will pay for it and the devil would like you to say, well, the blood of Jesus isn't that much. But people go into any clothing store in the world and say, well, you know, I don't think it's worth that. And then as they shop around, we'll go take it off the rack and pay for it, which means you just said it's worth that. And even if you don't think it's worth it, somebody will walk in there and pay for it, which means it's worth it. Which means no matter what anybody else thinks about you, what they would pay for you, Jesus walked into the eternal throne room and said, no matter what anybody else thinks, your life is worth the precious blood of Jesus. And it's just not an ordinary human life. It's the life of the Son of God. And when we look at that value of that price paid, we begin to see that our life has value. And we begin to recognize by the blood of Jesus that I'm redeemed and my life has an eternal value to it. I will not let anything the enemy does begin to devalue my life. I won't walk into the things that the enemy wants me to walk into and be in the places that he wants me to be into that will all of a sudden cause me to say, you know what, I'm devaluing what God has done for me. 
but to be strengthened in the inner man by the Holy Spirit of God. It says that we might walk worthy or walk in a manner that displays the value of what Jesus has done for me. He said it'll take the strength of the Holy Spirit, but that is in the blood. The strength to say, listen, I'm not walking according to the sinful man anymore because my life is valued at a much higher value than that. Praise the Lord. When we begin to know the value of the blood of Jesus, we give ourselves to that value. We understand that place. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says this, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Listen to this. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Jesus' blood is the ultimate sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing? And insulted the spirit of grace. 29th verse in the Good News translation says, What then of those who despise the Son of God, who treat as a cheap thing the blood of God's covenant, which purified them from sin? He said it's a value judgment. To value the blood of Jesus to such a degree that it holds such a place in our life of washing us from sin. That we would never just say, God, whatever I want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do, regardless of what you want me to do. See, the Bible says that to anyone that knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. There's some things that we don't know that are right to do and we don't do it and we sin, and that's where we have to run and confess our sin and say, God, I did it my way. It didn't turn out, and I acknowledge, I confess my sin, doing it my way. I want to turn that back over to you because the blood was shed, and thank God, He washes us of all unrighteousness. Until we get the reality of this, that He washed us of all sin, we do not have to follow that sin and that evil desire anymore. The blood of Jesus has totally done a work in us to bring us to that value. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting in verse 11, it says, some of you were like that. It's talking about different conduct of the old nature. He says, some of you are like that. But you have been purified from sin. You have been dedicated to God. You have been put right with God by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Someone will say, I'm allowed to do anything. We're under grace. We can do anything. Paul says, yes, but not everything is good for you. I could say that I'm allowed to do anything, but I am not going 
to let anything make me its slave. Someone else will say, food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. Yes, but God will put an end to both. The body is not to be used for sexual immorality, but to serve the Lord. And the Lord provides for the body. God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will also raise us by his power. You know that your bodies are parts of the body of Christ. Shall I take a, bar, a, a part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? Impossible. Or perhaps you don't know that the man who joins his body to a prostitute becomes physically one with her. The scripture says quite plainly, the two shall become one body. But he who joins himself to the Lord becomes spiritually one with him. Avoid immorality. Any other sin a man commits does not affect his body. But the man who is guilty of sexual immorality sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who is given, who is given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves but to God. He bought you for a price. So use your bodies to glorify God. I know that was a lot right there. But listen, he valued your life. Sin devalued your life. And in the life that he purchased, he washed you and he cleansed you. And he made you a habitation for himself. And he said, when we realize that we're not our own, but we belong to him, something supernatural takes place. Something big. Something changes our want to. Something changes our desire in serving him. That we would give ourselves into that place where his blood was shed. The price was paid. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to read that. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand up with me? Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Help us, Holy Spirit. Today, help us. Minister to every heart and every life, I pray. Concerning this new life that we have in Christ. The true power of the blood of the Lamb. A revelation that we are washed, we are cleansed, we are sanctified. That in that washing and that cleansing, our want to changes to your want to. That that desire that pulls us to the enemy is able to pull us away from you is broken. That truly through the knowledge of what you've done for us, your great love, the acceptance of that price paid that we're no longer our own, but we become you yours, and we become one with you. I ask you for revelation knowledge for each and every one of us in this great day that we live in, that truly an understanding of faith in the blood, not just a trend, not just a trying, but a true faith in the blood that we would lay down the things of the old man, that we would turn from the direction that we've been going and 
repent and turn unto you. That a greater fullness and a greater measure in every area of our life, not holding one area and releasing another, but our whole life. For you gave your whole life that we might live. Help us to understand, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. Help me to articulate. Forgive me where I've not been clear. Make it alive and real. That we might understand and experience within our own heart the true reviving and awakening of the Spirit in our hearts and our lives. The true cleansing of the blood that would strengthen us and cause us to rise up truly and take authority over every strategy of the enemy. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just talking about the blood of Jesus. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The master, he shed his blood to break the mastery of sin so that he could become the master. He's the one that knows the eternal purpose for your life and how you were created. So having him be the master to lead you and to set you free into all of that that he's called you to do to serve God in that relationship comes through the blood of Jesus. If you're by chance here this morning or watching and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, through that confession of Him as Lord, because you believe that He died for your sin, He shed His blood, died on the cross, God raised Him from the dead three days later so that you could be justified, forgiven. He said, by putting your faith in that purchase price and accepting that price paid to say, I'm no longer my own, I no longer belong to the sin that has bound my life. I relinquish all that to Jesus as my Lord and Savior, the one who paid the price for my life. He said, I'll come and save you, rescue you, make your life anew, lead you in paths of righteousness all the days of your life. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. Anybody at all? may think we know everybody, but we don't always know everybody's personal condition with Him. I don't want to let you go without having an opportunity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, you can look up here. Praise the Lord. Why don't you say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight. Hallelujah.